still rise as we wait upon the Lord. Um, let me ask you a question. Has God ever changed your plans? Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, so you can all be seated just for a moment. Um, we were supposed to start the book of Philemon today. And uh, um, I, I knew we were going there, but I felt like the Lord was saying, nope, uh, I want you to go a different direction. And so I said, okay, Lord, like, what direction do you want us to go? And, and uh, I had it. I had, I had the message, and the message was don't get comfortable, right? And I knew that. I, I thought I knew. That's what God wanted. And uh, Thursday night, I put the final finishing word or whatever you want to call it in that message, closed my laptop, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be it. It was quiet in my house, and, and the Holy Spirit just impressed on my heart that that wasn't it. I had finished my message, and I was like, come on, Lord, like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I thought this was the way we were supposed to go, and, and, uh, and obviously it definitely wasn't, and so I started praying because it was Thursday, and Friday was coming, and then Saturday would be here, and then today would be here. Uh, and so um, after a conversation I had on Friday morning, the Lord just impressed it on my heart. And, and I don't know if, if, if this, you know, includes you guys or, or if, if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're getting into God's word one way or another. Uh, but uh, I feel like some of us may be uh, being attacked, uh, not physically and, and maybe physically, but I, I feel like the enemy is, is, is on our tail. Uh, and he's going to be on our tail regardless of what season we may be in. The fact is, uh, the Lord impressed on my heart that uh, we, need, we need a message uh, entitled, When the Enemy Attacks. N nothing I give you is, is worth anything, but God's word is worth everything. And from it, that's where we find how to combat against the attacks of the enemy. And so, if you brought a Bible this morning, I would encourage you to open it to 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, we'll be looking at two verses this morning, and then next week we will be in... Philemon. Uh, we'll start it and finish it, and then we'll journey on through, um, journey on through Colossians for the rest of the summer. Um, I do want to let you know before we stand and read God's word. Um, July twenty sixth, um, July twenty sixth or twenty seventh, one of the, those days. I'm going in for knee surgery, so um, in my place, uh, we're going to have three different guys. Uh, preach Cliff, Ian, and Tyrone, so if you could start praying for them now as they prepare their messages and get ready to preach God's word, uh, pray for me too if you think about it. Uh, I'm, I, this might sound funny, I'm actually really excited to have surgery because it's been a ridiculously long process to get this to, to this point. Anyways, uh, go ahead and stand and we will get into uh, God's word together. Uh, starting in verse 8 in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, be sober-minded be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm, uh, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, when it comes to our flesh, we don't like when our plans change. God, some of us are very organized to a point where we have everything written out in our calendar, and when things don't go the way that 
uh, our, our calendar has it expressed, Lord, we oftentimes grow frustrated and annoyed, but Lord, we know that your ways are better than our ways. And Lord, I pray that uh, through this message this morning, we would see that. God, through your word this morning, we would see that when we are attacked by the enemy, uh, we, would, we would know how to combat against it. God, you've given us everything we need in order to, to fight. And, and we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory because of what you've done for us, Jesus. And I pray that as we get into your word this morning, you would minister to our hearts. God, that your word would just wash over us and we would be renewed and transformed in our thinking, God. That your word would penetrate into the deepest parts of our hearts. God, we need to hear from you this morning. God, may this word be your word. May this message be your message. God, we give you all the glory and all the praise, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You all can have a seat. <clears throat> so I heard the story about a, a little boy who showed up to his house, and the mom was awaiting him, and the mom's first response to the boy was, you have a black eye, your nose is bruised, and your coat is torn to bits. Uh, this the mom said while the youngest of her uh, kids was standing at the door. And she continued with, how many times have I told you not to play with that bad Jenkins boy? To which the little boy responded, look here, mom, said Bobby. Do I look as if we'd been playing? <laughs> he, was, he was not playing. He, he was in a battle. Listen, if you are a Christian this morning... I want you to know something right off the bat, that the Christian life is not a playground. The Christian life is a battleground. You are in a fight the minute you give your life to Christ, because the enemy hates that decision you have made to surrender your life over to Jesus Christ as Lord. Listen, as a Christian, you are going to be attacked by the enemy. I don't know if that surprises you, but here's the truth. that That is the truth. You are going to be attacked. The enemy doesn't like anything you do in the name of Jesus. But here's the good news. Like I, I prayed, you don't fight for victory. If we were fighting for victory, we would ultimately lose. But we fight from victory because Jesus Christ is our victor. He gave us the victory over the attacks of the enemy. And you may get bruised, you may get beat up a little bit, you may come in with a, a torn coats or ripped jeans, but listen, God is the God who supplies the strength you need to continue to keep fighting. Amen? Listen, the God who supplies that same strength is the God who also promises that same strength as we wait upon Him, just like we sang. Listen to this uh, in Jeremiah 20, verse 11. It says, But the Lord stands before me like a great warrior. Before Him my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Psalm 144, verses 1 through 2. Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war and gives my fingers skill for battle. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer. He is my shield and I take refuge in him. Listen, you and I are in a fight against the enemy. 
But God has given us everything that we need to battle. Not only that, He has given us everything we need to win the battle. Amen? In the history of the world, if you look at the, the surprise attacks, you'll see many surprise attacks, such as in 410 A.D., the sack of Rome by the Visigoths, who, who would be uh, the Visigoths, uh, aided by rebellious slaves, rushed through the city gates, which in turn became a three-day siege of Rome, which was the first time in centuries that Rome had been invaded, ransacked. The Battle of Trenton, you, you history buffs, in 1776, General George Washington crossed the what river? Anybody know? The Delaware River. With 2,400 Continental Army troops, which began an unexpected raid against the German Hessians. Not only that, the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. 1941, which was a surprise attack on the Hawaiian naval base, which changed the shape of the already raging World War II. But in 2008, George W. Bush made this comment on National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. He said, a generation of Americans stepped forward to fight for our country. Their message was clear. If you attack this country and harm our people, there is no corner of the earth remote enough to protect you from the reach of our nation's armed forces. Right on. Listen, the purpose of my message this morning is twofold. Number one, I want you to know that you have an enemy, and he is very real. But I also want you to know that because you have an enemy, you can stand against that enemy. And I want to show you how you can stand against that enemy. And First Peter gives us uh, principles in order for us to know how to stand against the enemy. He says, be alert and be sober-minded. Your enemy, he says, the devil, let's just make that clear, your enemy is the devil. The devil hates you because you are following Jesus. He prowls around like a roaring lion. If you have this this thought that the devil is just some red guy with pointy horns and a pitchfork, you're wrong. Uh, the, the, the Bible is very explicit when he says he prowls around like a roaring lion. You are his prey. He is out for you. It goes on to say resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So, how does the enemy attack? Uh, by surprise. Uh, let me ask you a question. Has the enemy ever gave you a warning of when he was going to attack? No. It's always by surprise. First Peter 5.8, your enemy, the devil, prowls. If you've watched any lions in Africa, you know how a devil doesn't just come out and say, hey, gazelle, I'm about to attack you. Have you ever seen a lion do that? No, he, he waits and preys on his, his next victim. He prowls, he lurks. It's creepy. The devil is not some little soft kitten that you can just say, eh, whatever. He means business. He is out for you. You are his prey. The enemy gives no warning. Just ask Job. After Satan was in the presence of God and he asked permission to attack Job, Satan didn't come down from heaven and say, Job, I just want you to know God gave me permission to attack you. Didn't work that way. See, Job was a righteous man. But the facts are this. You and I have an enemy and he wants to take you down. 
Listen to John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That is his mission. He is out to steal what you have, to kill you and destroy you. Why does he attack? Well, he attacks both individuals and the church at large. But why does he attack? Because he hates Jesus. He is not best buddies with Jesus. He hates Jesus. Uh, Satan, uh, let's get our facts straight once again. Satan has already been defeated. I've read the end of this Bible, and we win. Because of what Jesus has done for us, the devil can't compete with that. He's already been destroyed. But he's going to do everything he can to put up a fight. He hates Jesus, and he also hates you because you love Jesus. And he hates the church who is pointing people to the truth that is found in no no other than Jesus Christ. So for the individual who is being obedient, who is in love with Jesus, who is following the Lord, listen, he hates that. He hates it. He doesn't want you to be obedient to the Lord. He doesn't want you to be in love with Jesus. He doesn't want you to follow the ways of the Lord. But listen, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you switched teams. You switched from the team of darkness to the team of light, with Jesus being your team captain, with your leader, as your coach. Colossians 1.13, it says, For he has rescued us. Let me repeat that again. For he has rescued us. Amen. From the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. If you are a believer in Jesus this morning, you are in the light. Amen? So that's the individual. But why does he attack the church? He attacks the church because the church is proclaiming the gospel. The gospel that Jesus Christ saves sinners. That Jesus died on the cross, rose again from the dead, and is coming back. He attacks the church that proclaims the gospel. He attacks the church that, uh, that is mission-minded, that is no longer about staying in its four walls and being comfortable and cozy with just the people that come, but reaching out. Like we saw many people come from the community yesterday just to watch a, a, a movie. But not only that, he attacks the church who is invested in encouraging those who are walking with the Lord. But why does he attack? Because he hates it. He doesn't want the church to do that. He doesn't want the church to proclaim the gospel, to reach the lost and encourage the found. But listen to this. In Christ, as an individual and as a church, you are a threat to the domain of darkness. But if you're not in Christ, listen to this, you are helping the enemy with his assignment. He doesn't have very much work to do when you're not in Christ because you're already doing his job. So what do his attacks look like? Again, for the individual and the church. Uh, For the individual, it could be personal isolation. uh, Causing you to drift from those you need to be around. I I know the, the pandemic, this COVID thing, has done exactly that for many of us. It has caused us to be isolated from those we need to be around. In 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, we meet this man, this mighty man of God named Elijah. Elijah has this epic victory where uh, fire comes down and just scorches these, uh, these prophets of Baal. They become defeated. Uh, the rain, if you remember, this, the cloud of a, uh, of a man's fist comes and it just pours down rain. But then you got Jezebel. 
Jezebel is this wicked queen. Uh, she's married to this guy named Ahab. And Jezebel doesn't like what Elijah is doing. And Elijah is afraid for his life and runs and hides in a cave because he's afraid of Jezebel. And so he isolates himself. He personally isolates himself, but the Lord meets him in that cave. He speaks to Elisha, Elijah in his isolation. In verse 18 of 1 Kings, it says, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. God was saying, Elijah, you're not alone. And I think so many times the enemy would like to uh, deceive us into thinking that we are alone. Nobody else understands what I'm going through. And Elijah must have been right there. Uh, Elijah was this man who followed after God and, and loved the Lord. Uh, but he got into the season where, man, I just, I feel alone. I feel like nobody understands what I'm going through. I feel like nobody really gets me. But listen, when you're in that season, the weapon of choice for that attack is not more isolation. It's fellowship, to be around others who can encourage you, who can uplift you, who can pray over you, who can, who can point you to Jesus. Don't become isolated. We need each other. See, like I mentioned, during the pandemic, this is what the enemy was after. He was after our fellowship. He was after getting us to just stay cooped up in our homes and not have any source of, of, of fellowship. See, in the midst of your attack, Listen, you are stronger with somebody by your side than you are alone. See, we need each other. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen, you and I have to stand back to back. We cannot afford to be personally isolated. We need each other. See, the attacks of the enemy aren't just towards the individual, but is also towards the church as a whole. And when we stand back to back, we are stronger together. Not only is it personal isolation, but it's also deception. A deception, by definition, is an act or statement which misleads or hides the truth or promotes a belief. Uh, last week, we read about how Jesus came out of the water. He saw the Spirit uh, ascend on him like a dove, right? Descend, excuse me. Immediately after that, Jesus is taken to the wilderness to be tempted for how many days? Forty days. Right, Jesus was brought to this place of the wilderness, and he was met there by none other than the enemy, the devil, Satan himself. He tempts him, he tries him, he says, if you would just bow down to me and worship me, all of this will be yours. He was misleading, he was deceiving, trying to deceive the Son of God. He offered him all the kingdoms if he would bow down to him. The enemy was attempting to mislead and hide the truth. But guess what Jesus did? In his moment of attack, because Jesus was attacked as well, Jesus worshiped. Matthew 4.10, then Jesus said to him, 
Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall what? worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. The weapon of choice for this attack when you are deceived by the enemy is worship. It's to sing praises to your God because the church, listen, after we've gone through what we've been through, listen, the church cannot be shut down by man. See, I believe the enemy was in complete overdrive. Uh, in, in this past season, we have all just gone through, the enemy was in overdrive trying to shut down churches, trying to, through the government, tell us that we can't sing. And if we did sing, we had to sing with masks and on and on and on and on and on. But listen, to try to get us to stop singing and praising God is not going to work. Because even if you and I keep our mouth shut, the Bible says that the stones would cry out. Luke 19.40, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And listen, why should we, or how can we stay silent after all God has done for us? Amen? The enemy doesn't have control on how loud we praise the Lord or how loud the rocks will praise the Lord. So personal isolation, deception, slander and gossip. Slander is false accusation. Listen, oftentimes when people have secret meetings about somebody, it's not to bring accusations, it's to come up with false accusations. Once false accusations are presented the match of gossip, rumors, and slander strikes. And gossip, which many of us may have been involved with, it spreads like wildfire. Gossip is one of the uh, favorite tools of the enemy. If he can cause us to gossip, guess what happens after that? Division. A lack of unity within the body. See, gossip is talking behind someone's back without the intention of helping them. If you're gossiping, you have no intention of actually helping that person. See, the enemy uses slander and gossip, and I will even throw rumors into this, to discourage the Christian and to change the focus of the Christian. Because let's face it, if there's ever been a time you and I have been caught up in gossiping, our mind has not been on the Lord. Gossip is sin. How could we think of the Lord when we're gossiping about another person behind their back? See, slander and gossip have no place in a believer's life. If you are slandering and gossiping about someone, listen, you need to repent. You need to ask for God's forgiveness and humbly admit to the person that you have been gossiping about, this is what I said about you. Gossip has no room in the place, or no room in a believer's life. I love what uh, this commentator said, Chuck Lawless. He says, The enemy still knows this truth. Believers make little dents in the darkness when they shoot each other in the back. Ouch. Listen, if you are gossiping today, you are ultimately shooting your neighbor, the one whom you are called to love, in the back. So what do his attacks look like against the church? So there's the individual, but what about the church? How does he attack the church? For starters, congregational division over some really dumb things, like choir robes or service times. No, we should have our service at 9.59, not 10 o'clock. 
Staffing choices. I don't like this person because they have an earring on their ear. Where else can they put it? Global missions. I don't agree with this, or I, I, I don't think we should give to that. Or uh, Community outreach. Why would we play movies? Why would we try to outreach to our community? I don't know, because Jesus has called us to. Bible versions. King James only. You see, we all know that if we read from the ESV, we're actually reading from the extra special version, right? That's what we know it stands for. The NIV is the nearly inspired version, right? <laughs> so, gotta be careful with that. <laughs> Paint colors, right? Worship styles. Well, that's a big one in the church. Budget matters. Should we buy this kind of hand soap? Is it really worth our money? Should, maybe we should just not buy hand soap. No, please buy hand soap. <laughs> we, we argue over some ridiculous things. And this is, this is in the church. I don't know what you argue about in your own lives, but listen, some of these things really shouldn't be brought up. I don't think soap is the make or break when it comes to our salvation. Not only is congregational division uh, how he attacks, but hidden sin. I have been a part of some churches that seem to just, let's hide the sin underneath the rug. Let, let, let's just put it there. Nobody will know. Nobody will find out. Nobody will uncover it. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. See, no church can hide their sin from the Lord. And if that church is trying to hide their sin from the Lord, honestly, that church needs to close their doors. Luke 12, 3, it says, Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered, whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. You cannot hide your sin. Individuals and churches. Hopelessness. Some of us have experienced this firsthand, whether, it's, whether it was at another church or, or even in just another organization, but the leaders, the pastors, the, the co-workers, associates, elders, deacons, whatever, they're giving it all they got, but it just seems like the church just keeps dying and dying and dying, and there's no life that is coming into the church because the church is so unwilling to change, so unwilling to move from tradition to being led by the Spirit. Regardless of what attack comes our way, listen to this. Jesus is our hope. Jesus gave us hope. Matthew 16, 18 is the encouragement for the church. Jesus says, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. So how do I combat the attacks? Remember. Remember a few things. The enemy has no power over Jesus. Amen? But sometimes he deceives us into thinking that he does. See, Jesus crushed the devil's head when he died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead. He defeated the enemy. But oftentimes we begin to believe that we're powerless against the schemes of the devil. But I want to remind you who resides in you. The Spirit of God is in you, okay? First uh, John 4, 4, it says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Listen to this next part. For he 
who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? See, listen, you are fighting from victory in Christ. You, are, you have the victory. You already have it. And you might get bruised, like I said. You might get beat up. But listen, yours is the victory as long as you continue to follow Jesus. But if you're not in Christ, the battle you're in this morning is impossible to win on your own. You don't have the strength it takes to defeat uh, the enemy. But if you're in Christ, the enemy has already been defeated. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I believe there's something we need to remember that when we are fighting, it's not against each other. We're not fighting against each other. If, if we're believers this morning, we're on the same team. But how often do we choose to fight against each other? See, our fight is not against each other. We're supposed to be back to back. So knowing we have an enemy, remember that Jesus has the power over the enemy, has power over the enemy, but we also need to remember that we need to resist him. Just like Peter tells us, verse 9, resist him. Now this doesn't mean we run from him. An example would be like a child who is fighting their kidnapper. Uh, the child doesn't just take it. The child does uh, almost everything the child can to fight against the kidnappers. Or, or the wind against the wings of a plane. What happens when you get into uh, tribulation? That, that's the word, yeah. Turbulent, yeah. You don't see the plane just decide to turn around because it can't handle it. It weathers the storm, right? It, it goes into that, that wind, whatever is causing the, the turbulent. <laughs> but listen, you're going to have opposition, uh, but opposition is not always a bad thing. If you are having opposition in your life, most of the time as a believer, it means you're, you're doing something right. When you have opposition from the enemy, it's not always a bad thing. So listen, don't sit there and take what the enemy thinks he can take you down with. Because at the end of the day, if you are in Christ, you are called to fight from victory. Amen? Verse 9 goes on to say, stand firm in the faith. When the enemy attacks, it is not a time to retreat. It is not a time to throw our faith out the window and say, it's too much. I can't take it. Scripture says to stand, not to sit, not to crawl. It says to stand, not, not, not to duck for cover when the enemy comes. It says to stand. And listen, when you are standing, you have to know, if you are in Christ, you have been given something. And it's called the armor of God. Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 13, it says a final word, like most pastors will say, in closing, but Paul, as we see, was not in closing. Uh, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all God's armor 
so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So what do I stand on? The foundation, which is Jesus Christ. You stand on this one truth that his name has power over darkness, over sin, and over death. You might ask the question, well, what do I fight with? The word of God and prayer. You might ask another question, well, what am I protected with? We just read it, the armor of God. To put on every piece, not just some pieces, but every piece of God's armor. Ephesians 6, 17 through 18, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Always pray in the Spirit and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent for all believers everywhere. Warren Wearsby said this, Before we can stand before Satan, we must bow before God. And if you haven't done that today, I would encourage you to do that. The only way to stand before Satan is to humbly bow before the Lord of lords and King of kings today. Listen, this is a fight that we cannot win on our own. And it's time to man up or woman up and admit your need for Jesus. Listen, just because you've been a Christian for many years, it doesn't mean you have arrived. If anything, it means that you've recognized that your need for Jesus is greater than it was back then. Listen, the only way we can stand is if we kneel. And many of us need to do that today. Many of us are trying to stand on our own strength because of pride. Because we've we've gotten to this place where we think that we can handle it on our own. We can tackle this on our own. But if you try it, you'll fail. We need to admit our need for Jesus. I want to close with this verse in Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 13. It says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify the desires. Listen, the time is now to wake up from our sleep to get going, to be serious about our walks with the Lord. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it should be just that. It's time to wake up. It's time to to open our eyes to see what the Lord is doing around us and how we are called to follow him. Some of us may be Christians, but some of us may be sleepy. We've been taking a spiritual nap for far too long, and it's time to wake up. It's time to get serious about your relationship with the Lord and it's time to stop putting off what you've been putting off and it's time to put on 
just like this scripture says, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, it closes with this, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Did you know that you're not alone? We are in this fight together. In your bulletin, there's a piece of paper that just has a simple declaration on it. And what I would encourage you to do is is to keep that somewhere because everything that is in that declaration is everything that we talked about. To stand on the word of God, to fight with prayer, to lift up one another and glorify Jesus because ultimately Satan cannot hold me down because I'm standing in Jesus' name. And some of us need to be reminded of that on a daily, not just one Sunday, but on a daily basis. Put it on your mirror in the bathroom as you're getting ready. Put, put it somewhere where it'll help you remember this truth about what it means when the enemy attacks. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll, we'll close out in, in prayer. Now we're trying something a little bit different today. We're not going to close out with the chorus because we ultimately want you guys to fellowship with one another. We, we had to add an extra minute to the clock just because you were chatty. And that's awesome. We want to encourage that, and we want to see that continue. And so I would encourage you just to hang out, hang out for a little bit. Uh, talk to one another, pray with one another, encourage one another. Uh, next week, we're, as we finish Philemon, as we start and finish Philemon, we're going to have some refreshing popsicles after service, just another way that we can engage in fellowship just so we can hang out with one another. Maybe you don't even like popsicles. It doesn't matter. I hope you like fellowship more than you do popsicles. So, but let's pray, and then uh, we'll get into just a time of, of fellowship. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. God, we know that the enemy is, is very real. I think so many of us have discredited him to uh, just this small little imaginative thing or something on our shoulder or uh, Lord, we, we all have these, I believe, misconception of who the enemy really is. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be on guard. Uh, that you would help us to be clothed with the armor that you have given us. Lord, th- that's what the enemy's mission is, is to attack the believer, to attack the church. But Lord, you've given us everything we need in order to stand, to resist, to fight. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in here this morning. God, if they're being attacked, Lord, I I pray that you would just remind them that they have victory. They might be bruised. They might be, uh, have have torn clothes. They might have a black eye, so to speak. But Lord, we know uh, that it's not over. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would equip them for the battle at hand. Lord, we remember your word in that it says, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Help us to remember that we have the spirit of God residing in us, dwelling in us. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the cross and your perfect and complete sacrifice for us. God, we give you all the glory, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello all, and thank you for checking out this episode of the Great Avenue Christian Church Podcast. 
For any more information about who we are, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook and our website. Again, thank you for your support, and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.